0: Stockers. A lot of money can be made or lost in how they're developed, and it's an enterprise you may have never considered.
1: But here's the thing, and it's the unfortunate truth, is that this is not our last drought. So if we're going to make it long-term in this industry, maybe um, evaluating some long-term plans for drought mitigation that do include some yearlings could help producers in the long run.
0: Carla Wilkie, Beef Extension Specialist with the University of Nebraska, walks us through why Stockers may be a good option for enterprise diversification as well as drought management, plus the optimal levels of supplement amounts that will offer the most return on our investment. On this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. Hi, everyone, and we welcome you here to another edition of the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. We're glad to have you joining us. This is episode 67. So if you do want to go back and you want to listen to it again, you can pretty much search any podcast provider out there and you can go back and listen to it. And it is, I will tell you, it is one of these programs where we're going to be sharing some research information that has come out of the University of Nebraska, where you might find it actually very valuable to go back and listen to it. Carla Wilkie, who is beef cattle specialist for the University of Nebraska will be joining us. She works out of the Panhandle Research and Extension Center there in the western part of the state in Scotts Bluff. And we're going to be talking about this yearling or stalker operation uh, and how you may look at adding that or doing some replacement with your cow-calf enterprise for two reasons. Maybe one, it's for drought mitigation. The other thing uh, might just be to diversify your enterprise mix on your ranching operation. I know some folks across the country, You've been in the stalker deal. You kind of have that figured out for others. Maybe you've looked at it. You've you've considered it, but uh, you're kind of weighing the risks with the return and whether or not that's a good investment or not. Well, one of the elements of, of, of cost to a stalker operation, of course, would be if you're going to winter them, would be feeding costs. But then also there's some, how do you get the most gain out of it in the summertime? Well, uh, Carla Wilkie, who, as I said, is our guest today. She's going to share with us some information that they have out of the University of Nebraska 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 that uh, works on trying to find that optimal amount of supplement in there and uh, so that we get the most return on our investment. So a really good subject here today that's actually quite timely, not only on the calendar, but also with where we're at in the cattle market, the numbers, as well as where uh, the potential uh, value of these cattle will be here in the next year or two as well. So that will be our main feature topic here today. Also, of course, in just a few moments, the captain, Tim O'Byrne, publisher and editor of Work ranch magazine will be by for this week's edition of tim's two cents and then meteorologist don day as he always does joining us here in the latter part of our program to give us an update on the uh, weather outlook for the end of this month and the first part of may still looks to be some stormy weather across the country and we're going to talk about it with meteorologist don day later on in our program today right now a thank you to the sponsors of the working ranch radio show the american cemental association and whether you're looking at maternal traits or terminal traits. The genetic merit of Simmental Genetics really has provided increased profitability to the rancher. Genetics, it's profit through science. To find out more, go to their website at Simmental.org. Also, Bobcat, one tough tractor. Visit Bobcat.com and you can use their build and quote tool and you can design your ideal machine right there. The American Hereford Association, come home to Hereford. The North American Limousine Foundation, limit Cattle deliver to your bottom line. And finally, the American Akaushi Association. Experience the difference. Find out more at akaushi.com. Well, it's time now to check in with the captain. He's the publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine for this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents. Hey,
2: Justin. Hey, everybody out there in Working Ranch Radio Land. This is from the USDA, the Livestock Report for 2022. The cattle inventory marked its third year of contraction in 2021. The cattle report estimated the number of cattle and calves on January 1st, 2022 at 91.9 million head, down 2% from a year earlier. The U.S. cattle inventory will likely decline further in 2022. The cattle report estimated that producers retained 3% fewer replacement heifers for the beef cow herd, this year, and that fewer numbers of beef heifers are expected to calve during 2022. All right, so Justin, let's think about that and folks listening, I want you to get a hold of them, Justin, give me give me your number, and let's think together about how this is going to affect 2023, 2024, I want to know, get me those answers, Justin, back to you.
0: You bet. Absolutely, Captain. And folks, uh, like you said, what are your thoughts regarding where these cattle herd numbers are at? What do you f- foresee? I know we got numbers coming from different entities out there that forecast these numbers, but what are your thoughts on this? Give me a call. Let me know. You can send me an email as well. My phone number, 307-363-COWS. That's 307-363-COWS. You can call or you can leave a text at that number or email as well, justin.workingranch.com at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you we'll stay with us coming up next we jump right into the middle of our featured topic today and it kind of does correlate a little bit with what the captain brought up there in terms of cattle numbers as we talk about adding yearlings to an operation for maybe it's drought mitigation or income diversification we're going to talk about it when we return on the working ranch radio show Starting off in the right direction is essential to gaining an advantage later when you go to market your calves. And I have proof that the right direction is with Sim Angus sired calves. A 2020 study by K-State showed that Sim Angus sired steer calves earn more at sale time than all other breed identified sire groups with at least 50 lots represented on Superior Livestock's 2020 summer sales. The proof's right there. For low risk, High potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills here with you as we head now into our featured interview of the day. And uh, as we talked about in our opening, uh, we are in a time of year where folks might be looking at some different scenarios. Uh, some of you have had some good moisture. Some of us maybe not so quite a good moisture. And we're looking at maybe some options. And joining us today is Carla Wilkie, who's a beef cattle specialist with the University of Nebraska. Now, she's out of the Panhandle Research and Extension Center there in Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, and Carla, thanks for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show.
1: Well, thank you for having
0: me. Carl, I want to, uh, as, as I told folks in the in our opening, we're going to be going through kind of what you presented at the Range Beef Cow Symposium in Rapid City last fall. And it was about the potential at looking at maybe adding stalkers into your enterprise mix as a drought mitigation or just something different in your operation that gives you some flexibility. And from your guys' perspective, as you looked at this particular topic, what, what kind of surrounded your ideas as? Why is uh, as far as where this topic was originating from?
1: Well, I think it's important because there's a lot of people that don't have a lot of flexibility in their resources. So um, their ranch has pasture grass, perennial uh, forages for grazing, and maybe they have some hay ground, um, but that's that's about it. So they don't have a lot of flexibility when it comes to drought. They can't. Put a lot of harvested feeds into the cows because the they don't raise them themselves and the cost of buying them and transporting them are cost prohibitive for them Mm -hmm. And so the concept of maybe adding some yearlings to an operation so that you could sell them at different times when it's dry or just just use them as a drought mitigation tool to take cattle off of a pasture that needs some rest due to drought. um, And as you mentioned, you know, maybe just as part of a system uh, to diversify some income too. But you know, if you've got a calf out there um, and he's about 850 pounds and you've got a mama cow and her calf and they're about 1700 pounds, you can run two of those yearlings per cow. So if you have to come off of the grass, you know, you can take two yearlings off without having to remove the the cow and the calf. And in the presentation that you referred to at the range beef Cow symposium, we talked a little bit about cow depreciation costs and that can get really expensive when we have drought and we have to keep culling back numbers and we're starting to cull into some of those cows that are st- Still in some really productive years, and so running some yearlings maybe can help us create something of a buffer, so that when we are in a drought situation, maybe it helps protect some of those uh, cows that are going to have a much more high, uh, much higher depreciation cost if we have to sell
0: them Mm -hmm. one of the things you'd noted in that presentation was the fact that uh, depreciation is really one of the highest costs that we have with our like in a cow calf herd situation that we really don't some folks probably really don't have a good grasp on knowing that uh, that is one of the highest costs that we deal with
1: yeah because you know you don't really write a check for it um maybe this day and age that many people don't write checks, maybe I should have said you don't have a Venmo <laughs> debit, debit amount in your account or something, but, um, but you know, if you purchase or develop, if it costs you, and that's another thing I think you, you hit on this kind of key too, is when you develop your own heifers, maybe you don't really sit down and figure out that cost of development uh, either. But if, if it costs you $2,000 to purchase or develop, um, this heifer or this young cow, and, and the coal price is only $800, what you do is you take that $2,000 minus 800 and then divide that by the number of calves that she gave you or, you know, productive years. And if you only got three calves out of her, then her, her depreciation cost to the ranch is $400.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I have done a program before on cow longevity because I think of the longevity number. When you say three cow, three calves, uh, some people are going to say, "Well, I I get more than that." Well, herd herd average across the country <laughs> is right around that, and I think uh, we're deceiving ourselves if we don't believe our own herd average is probably close to that, which is is not a good situation to be honest with you
1: it's not and I looked that up when I was doing this paper and I think the national herd average is like four Mm -hmm. and I thought that can't be right But but then you know honestly as you go through your herd and you're like oh well this cow came up open or this cow's calf died so we sold her and and yes you have those cows that man they're really good producers for you but there's enough of them that aren't that the average comes down. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So looking at this, then and, and then jumping into saying, okay, let's look at some stalker options. Let's look at some ways that we can get into that. And there's really maybe if you are a cow calf operation, there's about three different ways you can do that. And that is uh, first first couple of ways is either a retaining your steers or b retaining your heifers or custom grazing. And so let's go through those three options.
1: Okay. You know, you retain steers um, if you winter them over and then you have some grass for summer grazing that can be profitable for people because you're you're putting some weight on those calves and then you're hitting that market in the end of the summer when other people are maybe looking for steers to go into the mm-hmm. feedlot. And so um, it can give you some flexibility in um marketing times and weights and that kind of thing and Mm you know that's that's one thing that producers can think about is just holding back the the steers for some grazing options
0: and then i know with heifers uh you know that's something actually that we've done here uh with heifer prices not really as good as they as you'd like them to be uh this in fact this year for us we we kept all of our heifers back in the past we've kind of dabbled a little bit with some of the some of the smaller lighter ends uh, in the fall of the year and keeping those back so heifers in light of where the cattle prices and these calf prices have been are a good option as well
1: yes they can be and and you're right this year the lighter weight heifers um, early on in the fall weren't really uh, they weren't a strong market and so that would have been a you know a good good option for heifers there is to be able to hold them and put a little more weight on them until they were at a weight that was a little more intriguing for the buyers and so heifers give you a couple of options because um, unlike steers who can go into the feedlot or they can go into the feedlot Mm -hmm. um, heifers can be either retained for breeding purposes or they can be feedlot heifers and and you don't always have to make that um, distinction right away when you retain the heifers they can um, go through some criteria selections throughout the winter and summer and fall into one of those two categories and so depending on the genetics on the ranch and and what you're doing with some of those things if you've got some good maternal genetics on your ranch and you want to um say ai some heifers to a low birth weight bull or something and and you know you want to market those there's there's some niches for heifers that that make holding them back and then either selling you know what comes open goes into a feedlot market and and that kind of thing so you're right there are some there's some cool options there for people with heifers
0: you know on that dual purpose with or dual ability to go with those heifers especially in light of what you know we're predicting right now this cattle market to kind of have an uptick now we still have a lot of dry country uh that's that's going to have some influence on this cattle market as well but uh you kind of see some ability where you can you can grass these heifers or you can breed these heifers with some real profit potential built into those into those young calves
1: yeah and now is really the time for producers who maybe have some of these resources to be thinking doing some forward thinking on how they might maximize on that this year i think we um slaughtered an additional 10% um cows across the nation due to drought conditions across the great plains so there will come a time when it does rain Mm -hmm. because it will and we're going to want to rebuild some of those cow numbers and so now is the time to be you know thinking how you might be able to maximize on some of that with some heifers Mm
0: -hmm. The third option that we I mentioned uh, briefly was uh, custom grazing. And I know this is an element that if if, if you're an operation and you've never brought in outside cattle, I know that's th- there is some concern. Some folks get a little antsy about the idea of bringing in outside cattle. But at the same time, this custom grazing allows like in the situation we're at right now, where for me, for example, I haven't have had much for moisture like you all down in, in, in western Nebraska and some portions as well, and you're not sure kind of what you have for grass, you have that you with the grazing, custom grazing, then you can kind of match your cattle numbers to what you have for grass coming in. So custom grazing is really a good option to give you a lot of flexibility.
1: Yeah, it can give you a lot of flexibility in a lot of situations. Um, another one of those is shortage of labor on your operation. Um, whether we like it or not, the, the age of the American rancher's um increasing and so some of those things get harder to do and so custom grazing can be an option as a um just a a way to run your operation or as you mentioned you know this can be kind of a drought mitigation tool for a short-term thing and i think the main thing there is making sure there's great communication between the two parties and that everything's in a written lease so you understand who uh what the price is and then who takes care of salt mineral fences um wells that kind of thing death loss needs to be written into that what's acceptable what's not who who covers what um and then the landowner definitely needs to have something written in there where if the drought gets horrible and um, the pasture's starting to hurt and, or there's a fire or grasshoppers or all these natural disasters that happen to come through here, they have the right to say, okay, the lease was written for this date to this date, but because of these natural disasters, um, I need them off the land. Because what can happen in a drought situation is people that own the cattle uh, don't have anywhere else to go with them and they don't want them to have to leave. And the landowner starts to have concerns about Overgrazing on their pasture. And so then we're going to get into a conflict. Mm-hmm. So have in writing up front. So there's not disputes. Mm -hmm.
0: Carla Wilkie with University of Nebraska Beef Cattle Specialist is my guest here today. Uh, We're going to take a break here. And when we come back, let's talk about some supplement options that are out there. Both uh, we've decided to maybe jump into this stocker deal, uh, some winter supplementation, as well as summer supplementation and some studies you've uh, revealed with that. We're going to talk about it when we return here on the Working Ranch Radio Show.
2: If you could do something today that would bring you a profit tomorrow, would you do it? In the cattle business, it's about efficiency. And with Limousine Genetics in your herd, your profit is just one calf crop away. With Limousine or Limflex cattle, it's more pounds, naturally, to sell at weaning. It's growth and feed efficiency with the added benefit of carcass merit. The other side of the profit coin with Limousine Genetics is the maternal efficiency, docility, and longevity of your cows and bulls. It's as simple as Limousine Today Profit Tomorrow.
0: And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills with you. My guest today is Carla Wilkie, a beef cattle specialist with the University of Nebraska. She's based out of the Panhandle Research and Extension Center in western Nebraska. There in Scottsbluff, Nebraska. And Carla, again, we thank you for joining us. Let's get into now. Uh, we've we've talked about this, this topic of potentially bringing in stockers into your, uh, as an enterprise mix into your operation, whether you keep your own or whether you do custom grazing. There's some really interesting information in your in your presentation at the Range Cow Beef Symposium on supplements. And it's I guess it's not a real surprise that if you add some supplements, it's going to increase your gain. But I think there's some certain levels and amounts and just just some interesting information that you revealed in that that basically uh, said, you know, too much. Yeah, you're going to get a lot of gain, but it's not necessarily cost effective. Not doing anything isn't going to get you anywhere. So let's talk about you, what you guys found out with your supplement office. So,
1: you know, winter supplementation mindset has always kind of been, we just want to maintain those cattle. If they're gaining half a pound a day, um, that's great. Then we're going to go to summer grass and we're going to experience compensatory gain on those calves and they're going to take off and gain. And then we're going to make up that gain. Mm -hmm. Um, I dug out a lot of research for the, presentation at the Range Beef Cow Symposium. Um, And interestingly enough, when we supplement to target half a pound a day gain throughout the winter, yes, those calves do experience compensatory gain, but in several studies that I shared, those calves um, did not completely compensate, Mm -hmm. did not completely catch up to calves that were targeted to gain about a a pound, a pound and a half in the winter. And so that was kind of interesting that that you never really caught up. And if you could have acquired that supplement economically, then it certainly would have been worth it because those calves that were supplemented at that uh, little bit greater rate of gain maintained that advantage all the way through. And in one study that we evaluated, we had different levels as a percent of body weight, and those calves that were supplemented that least amount there actually never did. the, The cattle that didn't get supplemented at all, once they went to a higher plan of nutrition, caught the ones that were supplemented at the lowest level. And so that was totally wasted money trying to target that half a pound a day gain, you know. Um, but then they never did catch the, the other two weight groups so that was kind of interesting
0: yeah so so basically what you're saying is the, <laughs> first of all you need to you need to understand that you need to kind of have a target in mind and look and and be over that one pound but if you're not gonna if you're if, if you're just gonna try to limp them along through the winter you're better off to just save your money and not do anything at all
1: mm-hmm. yeah that that supplement was a total waste at that lowest level because that didn't have anything caught them
0: yeah so so in regards to mm-hmm. the what was the most optimal you guys found in your in your research what was the most optimal maybe target that we should be looking at and and the and the amount of supplementation
1: so in the one study um what we did this was actually a study done in the texas panhandle which um interestingly is not an area very much different from Eastern Colorado and Western Nebraska, but um, they were supplemented on native range to gain, you know, that barely gain pound, pound and a half, um, pound and three quarters on the, on range for about 60 days. And when they went to wheat pasture, then if you had sold those calves after you got done with wheat pasture, then supplementing them to gain a pound and three quarters target would have been your best bet because you had all that gain even when distillers was high, we did kind of a economic analysis on that and a sensitivity analysis. And and so even when the distillers was kind of high, that, that rate of gain, that higher rate of gain was the thing to target if you were selling after range. Mm-hmm. So if you to sell after you got done with the winter range and somebody else was going to take them to the higher plane of nutrition you you would have wanted to supplement at that higher targeting that one and three quarters pound a day gain if you were going to maintain them longer retain ownership through a higher plane of nutrition grazing period which in this case was wheat pasture the um, targeting that one and a half pounds a day gain was the most optimal for the any given price of the calves and the distillers that we evaluated. And trying to just limp along at that uh, pound of gain didn't help you any. It, it cost you money.
0: Mm-hmm. And I guess to, to back up real quick in regards to this study, you guys as a supplement base, we're using distillers because that's, of course, in in your part of the country, that was what's uh, what's readily available protein sources. Mm-hmm. Of course, could be very you know could be different in different parts of the country,
1: right? And pricing that is important, and knowing that the other nice thing about distillers, you know, yes, availability is the big one, um, but it has a lot of protein a a large fraction of the protein in distillers is bypasses digestion in the rumen and is available to the animal at the tissue level for growth and so in the growing calf that's pretty handy and then um, there's there's some pretty good energy in it as well and so being sure that the supplement that you're giving them is going to actually uh, get that target gain that you're wanting to acquire is is really important too. Mm-hmm. We also um, evaluated uh, a meta-analysis of six other studies um, that were winter gain and then going on to a summer gain and that study also looked at high and low prices of supplementation. Again they used distillers but they kind of concluded that same thing in six other studies is that the the Targeting that half pound of low gain didn't net you as much as targeting the one and a half pounds in the winter. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, that wasn't just one study.
0: Yeah, well, and, and and again, back to you know a little bit of what I said in the opening of this segment is is that uh, doing a little bit is not a good deal. But then you also showed in this too that you, you can almost overdo it in a way too, because really what we're trying to find is what is the most optimal as as us as a, if if I'm going to take in stalkers and feeders and and I'm going to put the investment into those to get them for the next cycle, whether it's going to grass or going on to that higher plane of nutrition. Uh, I can also put too much into them, and I'm not going to get my money back. And and I think your study also showed that too. You could really be targeting for more, doing a lot more in supplement, but you're really not seeing any more uh, gain than, than when you were, if you backed off a little bit,
1: your marketing time is, is a critical point of this. And if you're just holding these calves through the winter, and then you're going to sell them to somebody that has grass, you know, that's, that's maybe a little different targeted gain than if you have the grass to go to. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's let's jump now into the other supplement side of it, and that is where we're headed into right now. Uh, we've, we've we're out of the winter time for the most part, looking down the road at summertime, and and I know the the information that you found with summer supplementation may not be a big surprise to some folks, but uh, it it does reaffirm maybe what some folks have been doing in regards to summer supplement supplementation. Uh, You might have some that say, we don't do it because the grass has enough in it, we don't need to worry about it. But there is some information that you have regarding summer supplementation that I thought was really good.
1: Yeah, thank you. you Yeah, I I shared um, a couple of different studies um, where we did supplement on um, summer grazing. And I guess as we talked about this as researchers, we have tons and tons of data that shows that You know, there is a good biological response to um, summer supplementation. And sometimes producers don't do it, I think, from a logistics standpoint, maybe where the pastures are and getting supplement to them is just not feasible. Or if they do have some kind of integrated operation, then that may be very busy with other things that time of year and they'll have time to do it. But as you mentioned, there may be others that just assume that that wouldn't, Work that they wouldn't eat it while they're out on grass, um, or that they wouldn't gain any more. And so, this that we shared was really more to show that that's um, that is not actually the case. So, um, what I shared was a couple of studies uh, that we actually compared no supplement to supplementing the whole summer to just supplementing the last half of the grazing season. And so what we found was with that was that in those studies, supplementing um, just the last half of the season actually resulted in the same gain as supplementing all season, and those were better gains than the calves that didn't receive any supplementation. Um, kind of some mixed results in some of those studies, though. Um, we have to be careful. If you retain ownership of those cattle then on into the feedlot the results of that were mixed which means in some of those studies that weight gain advantage was maintained through the feedlot and then in some of them it was not and so again it can really work out well for a producer if they're selling those cattle at the end of grazing in the grass, and then somebody else takes in the feedlot, then maybe we have some different um, strategies there that you want to evaluate, you know, and it might not be as, as beneficial.
0: hmm One of the other things uh, in that summer supplementation, and again, I think what what your studies was showing is that late summer uh, supplementation offered a little bit more bang for your buck. But the other thing too is you could increase your stocking rates a little bit just because you were uh, replacing some of that forage needed for what you'd normally run. And so you could increase your stocking rates by maybe 10 to 12%. Yeah,
1: if you get the supplement level up there at least... um, 0.6% of body weight on a dry matter basis per animal you can see some forage replacement but you've got to have that supplement up there quite a ways if you just decide you're going to throw out a pound of supplement you know a protein cube per head out there whatever you can actually increase forage intake because you're supplying more nitrogen for the bacteria they can digest better passage rate increases through the tract. you could actually cause more overgrazing. so it's an all-or-none almost yeah. if you're trying to do forage replacement mm-hmm. another forage replacement thing that we have done that i didn't really cover in this but i do cover some with producers in drop mitigation. So since that's what we're talking about, let me throw this in. Um, now, again, this, this would have to be for somebody that did have access to some, some other resources, but there is research out of the University of Nebraska that shows that if you mix on a dry matter basis, 30% wet distillers and um, 70% wheat straw or corn residue, something really crappy, slow rate of passage, um, and you feed that in a, you know, maybe you feed it in the bunk, maybe you feed it on on the ground, whatever. but you can replace at a minimum 0. 0.22 pounds of grazed forage per pound of that that you feed if, if it's just bad hay, but you can actually do a little better than that if you're using some really uh, slow moving residues. And so that can be a way to stretch some pasture, but, you know, it doesn't replace the pasture. And so just leaving them out there and doing that is not going to prevent overgrazing. You can get some replacement for that.
0: Well, that's interesting there on that. Um, Folks, we're going to take a break here. Uh, We're going to continue. We have one more segment that we have. Uh, My guest today is Carla Wilkie with the University of Nebraska. We have been talking about the idea of adding stalkers into your enterprise mix, especially uh, in a drought mitigation uh, aspect or even just diversity in your operation. When we come back, we're going to kind of wrap this up and talk about just the overall uh, summary of what this study was showing when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show.
2: Whoa! Herefords are the efficiency experts for a reason. In crossbreeding systems, Herefords boost pregnancy rates by 7% and add $30 per head in feed yard profitability. And Hereford genetics bring unrivaled hybrid vigor, longevity, and disposition. Now that'll stop you in your tracks. Come home to Hereford for more pounds, more calves, and more profit. Visit Herford.org for a sale near you.
0: Living in the country means working in the country, and that calls for a tough tractor. Well, Bobcat has 15 models in its compact tractor lineup from 21 to 58 horsepower. With the help of your local Bobcat dealer, you'll find a perfect match for your property and to-do list. Get a look at all the different models at Bobcat.com, and while you're there, use the build and quote tool to design your ideal machine. Get yourself one tough tractor from one tough animal. Bobcat. Visit Bobcat.com. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. Uh, glad to have you along here on our program today. My guest, if you're just joining us, is Carla Wilkie. She's a beef cattle specialist with the University of Nebraska out of the Scottsbluff, Nebraska, or the Panhandle Research Extension Center there with the University of Nebraska. And uh, we've been talking about the concept or idea of adding stockers into your enterprise mix for a couple reasons, diversity or drought mitigation aspects. And then uh, in the last segment, we're talking about re- really pinpointing the supplementation element of that to get the most bang for your buck and Carla as as you kind of wrapped up your study on this and kind of some of the final conclusions that you came to this I know one of the things uh, I really pulled away from it from the supplementation standpoint is we really need to be uh kind of pinpoint that a little bit so we don't put too much out there to to waste our money but then doing a little bit is not a good situation either as we talked about so as you kind of bring all this to some summary here. What what are you guys coming away from this with?
1: So, in our um, growing study where we were grazing crested wheatgrass and supplementing in the summer, um, we looked at supplementation all season or half season compared to a control that got nothing and then put that with the calf prices and distillers prices for over 10 years. And always over the last 10 years, the supplementing the last half of the season increased profitability over the controls and even the fulls, which were not as profitable as the half because they gained the same, but cost more. Um, But in all of those years, except for two, even the full was better than the control. So supplement cost is, is a, a big factor to evaluate and value of the calf. Um, and then the other thing, just wrapping up what we've been talking about, if you're doing winter supplementation, targeting between a pound, pound and a half will actually net you more in the long run than half a pound target in the winter. Um, when you're selling those calves, uh, when is the transfer of ownership should play into what you supplement, how much you supplement. There is compensatory gain, When you go to a higher plane of nutrition but the higher rate of winter gain maintained an advantage there Um, summer supplementation can really help producers net some money but if they also own them going into the feedlot then it may not be worth as much to them to do that but if you're selling them at the end of the grazing season then it then it probably is so evaluating the the cost of the supplement, the value of the gain, and um, being strategic about when you supplement and how much uh, can really help with this whole trying to make some money during a drought.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I know if you're talking and there's a lot of folks listening that are more the cow-calf operations, uh, probably not set up in the most cases to, you know, to head directly to the pack and plant with this. So they're going to be selling those to somebody that's going to be taken into the next element. Really, one of the things I'm pulling away from what you're saying is you really need to understand when you're going to market these cattle as you jump into this.
1: Yes. and And while I realize if you're not running yearlings now and we're in a drought right now. This may not be the the easiest drought mitigation strategy to implement for your operation. But here's the thing, and it's the unfortunate truth, is that this is not our last drought. So if we're going to make it long term in this industry, maybe um, evaluating some long term plans for drought mitigation that do include some yearlings could help producers in the long run to do some better drought mitigation
0: strategies. Well, then the other side of that too, Carla, is yeah, this is a good drought mitigation tool, but I think, and I and I keep kind of hitting this a little bit from a diversity standpoint. I mean, it's just like mm-hmm. uh, in our own personal, whether we've got money invested somewhere or whatever else, w- what's one of the things that these uh, financial advisors say? Well, it's diversify your portfolio. Well, I think, of, I think of this as similarity with our own ranching enterprises. It's really easy. If we're going to put all of our eggs in one basket, it's pretty easy to do the same thing every year and kind of have that routine if, if we're going to look at diversifying our operations and and maybe ways that we can mitigate some well uh, the calf crops hit hard, or the the cow calf operations are, our gross margins are down how do we offset that with something else out there the stocker option may be that way to diversify our enterprises it has nothing to do with drought mitigation other than it gives us some flexibility
1: Yes, I, and you're absolutely right. There's there's a lot of agriculture operations that have some diversity built in because they have a corn crop and they have a wheat crop and they have a hay crop and they run some cattle, but then a lot of ranching operations don't have near as many opportunities for diversification. And so being a little more creative about how to make some income diversification out of a an operation that has some pretty – set and non-diversified resources to work with then the adding the stalkers is something to consider yes
0: you know and and back to the original concept of jumping into that was back with custom grazing that we talked about in our in earlier on uh, if if we're not really are taking going to take our own calves and and make those our stalker our enterprise in our operation taking custom grazing there's some advantages there uh, as you said before labor uh is a you know kind of Reduces the amount of labor, but then also there's a cash flow standpoint from a ranching perspective that's good too. Because if there's a time of the year where cash flow starts to get a little bit weak, it's usually around that May, June, July, and August timeframe. Yes, that's a good point. Well, Carla, I want to thank you for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Appreciate it. Uh, if folks are interested in finding out a little bit more about uh, about this, how do they need to do that?
1: There is lots of resources on our beef.unl.edu website. And so whole host things there. Um, they could subscribe to our Beef Watch newsletter that's on that website as well. And there's good things there. And if they have um, specific questions related to what we've talked about today, and they want to ask me that, then um, my email address is K Jenkins 2, so K J E N K I N S with a number 2 at unl.edu
0: all right well Carla I do thank you for joining us uh some interesting information here especially in light of the time of year we're at and I know uh some as we said earlier some folks have had some moisture and maybe we're all going to get some here at some point but I know for for there's other parts of the country that are staring down the barrel of another drought season and that's not a good thing necessarily and we need to have some options in front of us so I appreciate you joining us here today to to talk a little bit about this particular subject
1: well, I've enjoyed it, and I really appreciate you having me on the show.
0: All right. Carla Wilkie, my guest here today, uh, beef cattle specialist out of the University of Nebraska and their Panhandle Research and Extension Center in Scotts Bluff, our guest here today. And uh, she did give us some information to get a hold of her, as well as some websites that you can go to find out more. I will also put, if you download this through the podcast version, if you go there, I will put in there a link to to the proceedings of the Range Beef Cow Symposium that has the information that we talked about here today because I know there was a lot of numbers and some information that folks may want to go back and look through as well. I will put that link in the description here of the podcast that you can go and download as well. Well, coming up next, meteorologist Don Day joins us with a look at our long-term weather as we continue to see quite a bit of uh, weather activity across the country. We're going to talk about it when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show.
3: At the American Akaushi Association, we're more than prime. The American Akaushi Association was created to help ranchers be more
1: profitable and find opportunities when using Akaushi genetics in their herd. We focus on market opportunities for our members and offer support from conception to consumer. When you choose Akaushi,
3: you have a network right there with you. Experience the difference at Akaushi.com. That's A-K-A-U-S-H-I dot com.
0: and welcome back to the working ranch radio show as we head now to look at our long-term weather meteorologist don day joining us and uh, and on uh, it's the last two weekends now where we've come out of some pretty major uh, weather events across the northern tier of the country north dakota that i-94 corridor they just kind of keep getting hit with a little bit uh as we look into this very last weekend of april and first part of may it's hard to believe we're talking about may already but what are we seeing there
3: well we're we're right in the throes of the the latest storm now just beginning to lift out of north dakota and head up into southern canada but in its wake it left behind another swath of heavy wet spring snows across uh, those southeastern plains and southern plains of montana central and northern wyoming parts of south dakota and once again those areas in North Dakota that have uh, this has been their third significant storm here in about two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the one way to to knock down a drought is to have these slow moving large spring storms and while it certainly has come at a cost uh, to some folks with severe winter weather conditions with these storms um, certainly this water will pay dividends but as we, we talked about last week just you know it's one of these situations where we're getting the storms some folks are really benefiting but there's always there's always winners and losers in the weather lottery and uh, that's a concern for those southern plains and central plains areas that are that are missing out on these. so
0: as we look at this we and, and what's coming up here it's also bringing some pretty severe weather across the central plains as well uh, is any of that accumulating to some decent moisture where we're needing some maybe in the central to southern plains
3: Well, we did see uh, with the initial part of the storm as it came in late last week and at the start of the weekend, we did see some thunderstorms, some severe ones over Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, and into parts of Nebraska and extreme eastern Colorado. But they, they they were these storm cells that did bring some rain to some areas, but in patches. It's not that widespread rainfall that we really need across those winter wheat areas. Now where we're getting the most intense and most widespread severe weather is in a part of the United States where quite frankly they're tired of the rain. <laughs> they, they really don't want anymore across many areas of the central, southern and eastern areas of the Corn Belt and certainly across the south central United States. So it's sort of the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. We're, we're still really struggling in that winter wheat country of Eastern Colorado, many areas of central and western Nebraska, Central and western Kansas and Oklahoma, those areas are just getting nicked. They're not getting that, that good moisture from these slow-moving spring storms. The track so far this spring has really been off into those northern areas. But there's also good news. There's been some really good precipitation uh, late season, You know, kind of late in the season really for California, uh, as well as parts of the Pacific Northwest, and there's probably more coming for those areas. Mm -hmm. um
0: let's get an update uh, on la nina uh i really i heard your weathercast earlier this week i'm really not liking what i heard and that this just keeps hanging on boy
3: i tell you this is one stubborn la nina and we've talked about the 2011 2012 la nina and drought that has really been very similar to this one and this is what happened in 2011 and 2012 it just hung on being a a La Nina that didn't go a full three years, but went over two years. And that is what's gonna happen. The latest projections show that those sea surface temperatures in the subtropical Pacific, while continuing to forecast the weekend, it just keeps getting slower and slower in terms of its erosion. We're still confident that by fall and winter, La Nina, we can put it to bed. But as we go through the rest of the spring and into early summer, it's still there it's not gone away and as we've discussed in earlier programs La Nina is just a drier signal for many areas of the central and western United States and and those areas that uh, we discussed as being the biggest concerns the central and southern plains areas I think that's the area that uh, for the rest of the spring and into early summer we're still most concerned about we're getting help here in the northern areas and I think that's going to continue for the rest of the spring trying to get these storms to track further south is 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 not out of the question especially as we get into the month of may but you know you start running out of weeks you know it's like a it's like a sporting event you know you've got so much time left on the clock before you're into summer and these spring storms become less and less common Mm -hmm.
0: all right don well thanks for joining us here with a look at our long-term weather thanks for having me.
3: and again that is meteorologist
0: Don Day with a look at our long-term weather and folks with the uncertainty of of what we have for weather in the coming weeks uh, a good place to go and every day every uh, Monday through Friday if you want to go and listen to his uh, video podcast complete with pictures and everything that'll give you a pretty good idea of what's going on across the country go to his website at dayweather.com and there you can take a look at what's going on it's kind of something I I do every morning and I uh, encourage you to do that as well we'll stay with us when we come back we're going to wrap things up for this program and i'll let you know what we will be talking about in next week's edition of the working ranch radio show stay with us we'll be back after this
3: Sale season's here again and there are a lot of black headed angus bulls on the market
2: but not all of them are registered why take the risk don't gamble on unproven genetics Invest wisely with Registered Powered by Angus Bulls. Backed by the power of the American Angus Association and 80 million data points, Registered Angus Bulls give you the confidence in your buying decisions. Don't buy an imposter. Look for the registration number. Buy the power. Buy Registered Angus Bulls.
0: Ranching has been in the Hardgrove family for generations, and they know the value of keeping a ranch in the family. Hardgrove Ranch Insurance provides pasture, range, and forage insurance to ranchers across the nation. PRF Insurance is a USDA subsidized program that allows ranchers to insure against the risk of below average rainfall. Hargrove Ranch Insurance utilizes industry-leading custom software to provide the rancher with information they need to stay up-to-date and educated on their policy throughout the year. Hargrove Ranch Insurance supports ranchers for this generation, the next, and those yet to come. Contact Hargrove Ranch Insurance at 325-573-8975 for a free custom quote or online at hargroveinsurance.com. And we welcome you back here to our final segment of the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. I want to give you an idea of what we're going to be talking about next week because uh, we've had several guests on our program that have talked about. We, we've addressed this issue of climate change and we've also addressed the fact that really uh, ranching has that ability to be a great carbon offset for some of the countries that do uh, that do have some contributions to, to higher uh, carbon footprint. And so we're going to be talking with an organization called the Rural Investment to Protect Our Environment. The acronym is RIPE. And Martin Barbary, who's the Vice President of Engagement and Government Relations, will be joining us. Uh, This is an organization that's a coalition of farmers and ranchers and different Agricultural Trade Association representatives that are working to try to create some revenue source for farmers and ranchers that are doing practices that are, are beneficial to the soil and water quality and other environmental elements and so i think you're going to find it quite interesting i'm looking forward to the interview as well so be sure to join us next week for that program as that's what we will be covering before we head out here today i do want to thank the sponsors of the working ranch radio show the american simmental association Sim Genetics, heterosis works which is why with simmental it's more per head period find out more by going to simmental.org bobcat one tough tractor use the building and quote tool to design your ideal machine go to the website now at bobcat.com and the American Hereford Association come home to Hereford find out more at hereford.org the North American Limousine Foundation limousine cattle deliver to your bottom line to go for more information go to nalf.org and finally today the American Akaushi Association experience the difference learn more at Akaushi. Well, the Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine. It's branded number one by America's Ranchers. Find out for yourself by going to the website at WorkingRanchMag.com and you can get your subscription started today to the number one branded magazine by America's Ranchers, the Working Ranch Magazine. Well, if you'd like to get a hold of me, you can do it by calling or texting right here at the studio at 307-363-COWS or an email at Justin.WorkingRanch at gmail.com. Be sure to join us right here each and every Saturday and Sunday at 12 noon Eastern on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM, or on your favorite podcast provider. Thanks again for joining us. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and until next time, remember, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.